You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, joined today by Mike at Bengals underscore San Santagata, and of course, as always, your co-host of the Locked On Bengals podcast, James Rapine, who's very upset if you're watching on YouTube that I named Mike before him. Today, we're <laughs> how was that? Revisit. People didn't even realize I was here. I might as well just have taken off. It's that's what it sounds like. I listen when I'm not here, and it it, it sounded like I just wasn't here. So I'm going to put my mic on mute. Jake, go ahead. All right, so James is going to be here on video, I guess, for the rest of the show, and Mike and I are going to talk about the the Raiders and the Bengals matchup from the first game. We're going to start with the passing offense and the passing defense of the the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll get into the Joe Mixon factor before we circle back to what Vegas likes to do on offense and and what the Bengals can do to try to bottle that up. And and that actually is, I think, one of the Bengals' bigger advantages in the game, but. I think a lot of folks think, Mike, that this is a really positive matchup for the offense, too, starting with the passing offense. And Gus Bradley asked, well, Zach Taylor, I should say, was asked about Gus Bradley, and Joe Burrow was asked about Gus Bradley and their cover three defenses and how they like to mix it up. A lot of single high stuff from this Raiders defense, which you would think would be a recipe for success for this Bengals passing offense. How can the Bengals best take advantage of this Cover three, the single high scheme dominance from Vegas. So first uh, for the watchers, I drew out cover three and the responsibilities here. Trying to get perfect. (laughs) Sorry. But uh, so you've got the corners on the outside, one-on-one on anything vertical from those receivers. The free safety is just going sideline to sideline. Your two off-ball linebackers, Mike and Will there, they're going to take the hook zones which are just shallow middle of the field. And then you've got your curl flats from the star and the uh, money or strong safety. And that's your cover three sky. There's cover three buzz and some other ones like that, but it just changes around who goes where from what depth. Um, But it's still the same look. It's still seven guys in coverage and one deep free safety. So ways to attack that one way the Cincinnati Bengals attacked that last time was running just doodle it out real quick. A nice dragon concept. I know Jake likes that. We've talked about it before. And that is your slant flat. So I put that over here. And what's that going to do? Well, the corner just takes himself out of the play. He's off. So he's not covering a four or five yard slant. And then you're what you're going to do is put basically put a little triangle around uh, that guy right there or on the other side, whoever you want to attack the curl flat defender because he can't be right. If the corner isn't involved in this play, then he can't be right because he's either going out with the flat or he's going to stay in to cover the slant. So that's one way you could attack it. You could attack the one-on-one matchups because they're not giving help. And uh, Jamar Chase, he was a little sluggish in that game, but I mean, he's been on a heater lately, (laughs) 260 yards against the Chiefs. It's not man-to-man press coverage, so I don't know if the go balls will be there, but with them off like that and playing this way, I mean, curls, I mean, curl flat, Hank is another name for it. That's another very common way to attack cover three like this um comebacks anything that you're going to push vertical and then 
push back to the ball, basically curls, comebacks, hitches, anything like that. And that'll give chase his ability to run after the catch gets him one-on-one with a cornerback and uh, a little stutter go. If you hit him with a few of those will could end up being a very easy explosive touchdown. So there's a, there's a few ways to attack it. There's a lot more, but uh, those are some of the basic ways to attack your cover three shell. Sands. The, the interesting thing to me, when, you were describing that. I, I think back to that game, and I think the longest pass play for Burrow was 17 yards. And you think over the past eight, nine weeks, and really four to five weeks, you mentioned Chase being on a heater. A lot of that is yak, is is catching and running. And so is there a way the Raiders could adjust things to where they, they prevent that? Because if I'm the Raiders, I get going into it week 10, week 11, whatever. I know it was November 21st let's not allow the downfield go balls. But now Chase has shown, hey, I can beat you this way too. So it's uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't almost. <laughs> I think um, I think they're just going to be worried about the go balls. I don't think a coach like Gus Bradley is going to change his stripes this late into the season or this late into his coaching career, to be honest. So he's probably going to play cover three, try to rally and tackle Seattle stuff. Um they could try to key in, like maybe let the corner, like, hey, play a little flat foot here because they're not really testing you vertically. And I mean, we've got a great free safety and Trevon Morig. He's a rookie, but he's good. And he'll get over the top if if you do get beat deep. So try to play flat foot and try to come down real hard on anything or something like that. But I, I don't see them trying to get into anything that would be like press up. We're going to stop everything shallow. And because they're more of a bend, don't break. They're not. They're not the try to force the turnover, all that type of defense. They, they do with their front, but not not the coverage. And they don't I, force a lot of turnovers for what it's worth. Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, I think we have to talk about the front and the tackles for the Cincinnati Bengals against some good edge rushers. We'll go there in just a second. What about the the, the sluggo idea, Mike? You talk about the, the dragon concept, a good way to set up a sluggo. Maybe is that... An, an opportunity because I'm just thinking, you know, you're talking comebacks. I'm thinking outbreakers as well in the one-on-one matchups yeah. with these, these exterior corners and how good Joe Burrow's been throwing outside the numbers. But then I think about double moves off of that. Like, is there a, a, a slot fade kind of thing we could, we could see, is there a, an out and up a sluggo that we could see for some of these big plays? Cause it's not like the Bengals didn't try to go vertical against the Raiders the first time. They just didn't hit those plays. The issue with the sluggo, I think, is that the corner usually isn't going to care about the slant. So you really like that in cover one or quarters or something where the corner, he's going to try to key in on that slant or at least the flat and try to play that. When when you're just running dragon, it just goes against one guy like that. You run a sluggo off of it. The corner might be off and just be there yeah. to pick it up. But Yes, there are other ways. The outbreakers you mentioned, uh, flood, three-level flood is a very common way to attack cover three. And again, you're going to put that curl flat defender in a bind because you got outside go route, deep out, and a flat. Bengals run that all the time. And another way that I think you could get an explosive play is when you get into three-by-one against the Raiders. And this is true in the Bengals game. I haven't watched too many Raiders games. They take their they, – they start too high. They don't just line up and – uh, cover three anymore they still play cover three out of it but they'll have the strong safety he's kind of like poaching or kind of watching the three side and he almost has his back turned to the one side and that guy's just basically locked up if it's uh, anything downfield so there's your real way, way to attack where you've got a free safety watching the three side you've got a strong safety trying to take any bender from the three side and now you've got one-on-one stop and go stutter go 
just worked down the field. I mean, T. Higgins, he, he threw a ball up to him when he had bad leverage and uh, he was down two to one on the Ravens and he just went up and got it. So you could just throw it up for him. Uh, six foot five, dude. I don't know. That's another way to attack it. So I, I noticed that that was an interesting thing that they showed on film. Of. They almost didn't care about the one side. It was almost a lock, like locking him up man to man. We'll uh, dive into what you talked about, Jake, the, uh, the defensive ends, Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby. It, it's scary. But uh, first, I'll tell you about something that isn't scary. Sounds like that transition built bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. That's what Jonah Williams needs to be eating this week before he goes up against those guys. And it is they, they're awesome. They taste great. They're covered in 100 percent chocolate. They're high in protein. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories. So it doesn't matter if you're counting your macros. It doesn't matter if you're just looking for a post-workout protein punch or Maybe you just need a midday snack that's a little healthier than a candy bar. Well, you're going to get that with Built Bar, and they taste like a candy bar. So check them out right now, Built.com, and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off. Again, get 15% off at Built.com with promo code LOCK15. Let's go offensive line after one more idea that just popped into my head. The, uh, the wheel behind the clear out. Is this a play that we might get to dust off against the Raiders <laughs> this week? We haven't seen it for so long. Wheel routes are another way, a common way to attack uh, cover three. Uh, just the post wheel concept is a classic cover three beater. Um, because what you're doing is you're taking that corner who's got that third of the field and you're just running him down and you just send the guy behind it. And uh, one of the ways in college they do it, I don't think, I don't know if the Bengals have the offensive line to run this one, but when you run the shark wheel with the running back. So if uh, they had Chris Evans or I think Mixon could do it too, uh, running the wheel route behind that, they usually don't care about a running back trying to get out there because that's usually a swing route. We'll swing and he's gone. I mean, he's matched up with either Pro Bowl or Denzel Perriman, who I, I think that either running back would be fine against, or they're matched up with Corey Littleton, which a little bit more dicey. He's fast, but uh, I don't know. I, I think he they could get behind him. So those are ways to attack cover three. I, I was thinking about putting Jamar Chase in the backfield, let him run the wheel, but James, go ahead and, and let's move off of maybe some passing concepts and talk about this defensive and offensive trench matchup. Jake, we could talk about Chris Evans more if you want. You know, I could talk yeah. about Chris Evans all <laughs> day long. You know yeah. me. I'm like, man, don't play him against the Browns. You need to save that man. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's talk about, uh, yeah, this this trench matchup. Because to me, like, if you explore the path to the Raiders winning and pulling off the upset, a lot of it has to do with Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby just wreaking havoc in the trenches and giving the Bengals a hard time. Uh, Crosby leads the NFL in pressures, only has eight sacks. I say only, it's still a good number, but when you're leading the NFL in pressures, it's that's weird. So what uh, what was he able to do so well in that first matchup? Because he obviously got plenty of heat on Burrow. You, you know, know oh. real quick, Mike, before you answer the question, just want to add a stat for context here. What was it, like a 62% pass rush win rate against the Bengals was the next-gen stats, and his second yeah. highest was like 28%. Yeah, this he year, so like yeah. great game, but go ahead, Mike. Riley Reef, that was yeah, terrible game from him. I mean, he's going against a really good player, so I, I get it, it happens, but yeah, he and 
don't profile him because he, he changes direction and he's got bend and quickness that some people might not expect. You know, don't put him in as like a Sam Hubbard comp here because his not his go-to move, but I almost consider it his signature move. This is he comes in and he can win inside quickly too because he's got that quick explosive change of direction. He fakes that, chops down the hand and spins back outside and I oh it's it's beautiful to watch to be honest like if we're talking aesthetic football moves the euro chop spin combo from him is like i mean he kind of looks like (laughs) like a dwight freeney doing it so uh um yeah he's he's an awesome pass rusher i i do think the weakness that comes with the rod marinelli style of trying to play your front is that they like to get upfield. They like to any penetration is good penetration. And this is kind of why the run defense is a little bit lacking. And it definitely was in the Bengals game where they think, yeah, just blow back into the backfield and make the running back cut off of you or something like that. Of course, offenses at this point have adapted. There's ways to attack that, but yeah, I I'd definitely scared of him as a pass rusher because even though he abused Riley Reef to a 62% pressure rate or whatever it is. Um, Isaiah Prince, I think, objectively, probably a worse pass protector than Riley Reef. He really loves using his outside arm. I think some of that is going to be good because he's going to try to hone in any of those spins where he's got his arm outside and going to be able to stop him from winning outside. But he's... Crosby's very good at taking your set, whether you overset or underset, and beating that too. Whether he's shortening the edge with the euro step, or he's just trying to win inside because you're trying to get out, get out to your landmark quickly because he's a fast guy. Just I'm gonna try to kick, take my three kicks and get out here so he can't win outside on me, and then he just knifes inside on you. So that's the real challenge. But I mean, the real answer to that is to take your tight end and put him on the line of scrimmage right next to Isaiah Prince and let CJ Uzoma or Drew Sample just beat the hell out of him before he can uh, try to attack Isaiah Prince because that's the real way you slow down somebody like Max Crosby, especially with a backup right tackle. And it's not like the Bengals haven't seen really high quality pass rushers off of that end. They, they've seen it this year. They've seen Crosby this year. They came out with, I thought, a better plan in the second half against him in pass protection. And they also started running the ball. And a good way to, to slow down or make your edge rushers less impactful is to have a good running game. And Joe Mixon, I don't think, has ever had a bad game against the Raiders in his career and had a good game this year against them. And, and I think, again, this year, it's going to be something the Bengals look to exploit. And I know... I know how you feel about run fits, Mike. I know how <laughs> you, you love to talk about them. It's like your favorite thing in football. So so let's talk about the kind of front that the Bengals are going to see and how they're going to try to use Joe Mixon in this game. Because like I said before we started recording, I think Joe Burrow certainly will contribute to this game in significant ways. But I think this might be a little bit of a Joe Mixon game or it might have to be to some degree. So how can the Bengals get that going? So... Uh, I do this in under center because it's just easier to see and you don't need to see the wide receivers or anything. They're not, whenever they block, it's whatever corners don't make great tackles. So when I drew circles here where you see a, B and C are, these are the bubbles of an even front where four down, even front, there's nobody head up over the center. Trey Hopkins should be fine this game, by the way, because he usually more struggles when they have a head up nose tackle. You've got a shade like that uh, a little bit easier on him. So those are your three bubbles. And really the B gap is the one to look at. Because the Bay the Bengals attack this 
there's two ways they attacked it in the last game was wide zone. And then they tried duo for a long time, but it wasn't working that well. And I, I think part of that is the Raiders like to get penetration and duo is getting a double team and trying to push a guy backwards. So it was which one of you is stronger. So when you run this wide zone here to the weak side, right towards this bubble, and anytime you run wide zone, really, uh, there's too many little dashes, but you got to cut right there. That's where it's going to hit like 65, 70% of the time. It all depends on how it gets blocked up. So you get there, here, blah, 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 blah. and you get it blocked up like one of the one of these where everybody's taking the step it's bulls on parade elephants on parade whatever you want to call it you kick you try to push the end out with the tackle and maybe you want to set this up the other way because the defense is going to set their front based off of the offense so maybe you move your tight end to the other side so you can run at Ngakwe rather than Crosby and run behind Jonah rather than Prince but I think Prince is a decent run blocker so I don't think you have to um, so you run that and then you're going to attack that b-gap bubble and basically you're getting three, four yards before there's even a player there. So you got the stack linebacker behind it and trying to run out. And of course the Raiders know that this is a weakness, but they don't really do a great job of covering it up. <laughs> so run right at that bubble, run wide zone right at that bubble. And then the other way to attack it, which we talked about, if you go back to the Raiders episode, I don't even know if it's on YouTube. It was so long ago that, uh, Oh, it that, is. It is. <laughs> okay. The lead toss, uh, from the eye formation, they tried a few crack tosses just in single back. Wasn't working. They move Uzoma back into the backfield, get into an eye formation and try to crack and run toss. That way it was working wonderfully. I actually charted out, uh, the Bengals plays from that game. And I mean, they had a 20 yard touchdown from wide zone, they ran wine back a few times and they had an 11 yard touchdown, but most of the time it didn't work, but they also had a 20 yard gain from lead toss and another 18 yard gain from wide zone. So you can see how this is a way to attack the Raiders defense where they like to get upfield, And that's why the crack works because that ends flying upfield and really Boyd or whoever Stanley Morgan won't be there. It looks like. So maybe Mike Thomas, whoever it is, doesn't even really have to block him much. They just have to kind of, follow him getting his way so he doesn't really wreck the play but he's getting upfield and you're running outside so he's gone now you're left with jonah williams or quentin spain running up against uh slot defenders and maybe a linebacker and yeah, it's just a recipe for success for the offense so two great ways to attack their front you play four down even front like that wide zone is always an option and then the crack toss because their edges like to fly upfield but from an eye formation they get that lead blocker as well uh, real quick, I do want to mention, do you have anything else run-wise, Jake? Because I want to get these these injuries in before we go to the defense. Yeah, I was just going to mention Stanley Morgan. Go ahead. Yeah, so Stanley Morgan didn't participate on Tuesday. Ricardo Allen, concussion. Morgan dealing with a hamstring and Josh Tupau knee. Uh, none of those guys participated. But overall, the Bengals are pretty damn healthy. So uh, Jalen Davis returned to practice with the ankle. Vernon Hargraves, even though it looked really ugly, was a limited as well Akeem Energy, full participant with the ankle Sam Hubbard full participant listed with a thigh Evan McPherson back with that groin and then here's the one that's interesting that I want to sneak in a question about Uzama was back too after missing last week M more for maintenance I think Quentin Spain uh was back full participant was on the COVID list had that ankle issue looked really serious but it looks like he's going to play I saw him he, he was planting and moving well uh, is this uh, a Quentin Spain game where you think he matches up well Sands with with the Raiders interior do you think he'll be able to play at the level we saw earlier in the season when he was getting all of that praise 
hope he gets some rest because I don't know if it was fatigue or something that wore him down because he, he did face some weaker interiors and he didn't dominate them like he would have earlier in the season. But yeah, they don't really have a super strong interior. Solomon Thomas is the best player on that interior and he's more pretty good than like a Chris Jones or somebody who would really wreck a game. Um, he could blow up a few plays, but I, I I think he, I don't think he's any better than Quentin Spain is at guard, at least earlier in the season. So it should be a game where he does well. And I don't think the interior of the Bengals offensive line, which is probably a concern of everybody is really going to struggle too much. I could regret those words, but I think they match up pretty well. So I mentioned Trey Hopkins should be okay this game because he's not facing a head up nose tackle Quentin Spain and Hakeem Adenogy, I think will be right guard that they're not going to uh, face any monsters on the defensive tackle front. So yeah, I think the interior is fine. I think the, uh, the tackles are where you could have a little bit of worry. Up next, we'll dive in to the defense. But first, I got to tell you about Get Upside, an incredible app that everyone should download right now because it's free and it's going to save you money every time you fill up at the pump. Up to 25 cents off of every gallon every time you fill up. And right now, with promo code touchdown, you're going to get a bonus 25 cents off per gallon every time or, or on your first fill up. Rather, it's up to 50 cents off on that first fill up. So how do you do it? You go into the app store, you go into Google Play, whether you have an iPhone or Android device, download the GetUpside app and you start saving. Boom. Just like that. It's simple. It's easy. Just make sure you use that promo code touchdown to get the bonus 25 cents off every gallon on your first fill up per gallon on your first fill up. It's that simple. So you could take that money, by the way, that you save, turn it into an Amazon gift card. You can uh, put it into your PayPal account. You can put it in your bank account. You can deposit it into Bengal Sands Cash App account. It's that simple. So again, download the GetUpside app. It's free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to start saving today. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as the playoffs are ready to get started in the NFL. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports betting action for 2022. It's a new year, and of course, betonline.ag has their new updated website where you can sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code locked on. Again, promo code locked on when you get started will get you a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, from props to games and more, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, guys, let's get into that defense a little bit here. Obviously, the priority one, I think, just like last time the Bengals played the Raiders, is Darren Waller. And 1A... It's Hunter Renfro, who doesn't look like he should be a great football player, but is a great football player despite his hair pattern. So shout out Hunter Renfro. And then I think Josh Jacobs probably a little bit healthier than he was the last time these two teams played. Mike, let's start with those passing weapons for for Carr and this Raiders offense. I feel like the Bengals could kind of bottle up this Raiders offense again. They they held them relatively in check on the road. This will be a playoff game in Paul Brown Stadium. The crowd to contend with. No hard count at Carr's disposal. What what are you seeing in this matchup that 
Uh, am, am I right or am I wrong that maybe this is an edge for the Bengals? The worry is always when you face somebody like Darren Waller, Darren Waller. I, I think Hunter Renfro is a worry, but to me, Hunter Renfro isn't going weird that a tight end someone that's pushing more vertical, but Hunter Renfro doesn't push as ver- vertical as often as a, a Darren Waller. And the Raiders really like to isolate up uh, Darren Waller on the backside of three by one. I call that nub trips throughout the formation here. And I made sure to put, HR for Hunter Renfro there, but then 83 with five underlines so that you know where he is because that's the guy you really have to make sure doesn't wreck your game plan. And I think they might still have Deshaun Jackson, so you can't let him get behind you and things like that. But um, really, 83 is the one that he could he could catch nine passes for 150 yards and two touchdowns or something. I mean, he's just a super talent at tight end. They've struggled a little bit with some of the ways they've handled tight ends, but I think Trey Flowers does an okay job when he's manned up. And when you get into that three-by-one look that I just showed um, for the video watchers, listeners, I almost said listeners. Uh, Anyway, so for the video guys, uh, when you see the three-by-one look like that, you could match. Usually you lock up on that backside tight end, and that's the reason they want to do it. They want to get a one-on-one matchup. So that's why you can't just put up Pratt or Wilson on them because – well, linebackers don't match up with tight ends and man coverage that well anymore, not in this day and age. So you put a safety or a Trey Flowers type on him and hope that they can survive doing that or just play your zone coverages. Um, but I mean, eventually zone just becomes man in a way. Anyway, yeah, I'd watch where 83 is. I'd look out. I think he's getting healthy. I haven't watched their offense against the Chargers yet on coaches film, but I mean – I thought he looked pretty good on the broadcast. Uh, and Hunter Renfro, they didn't throw him the ball too much, but he's a guy that could end up doing a lot underneath. So I don't know. A lot of it also comes down to Derek Carr because Derek Carr, I think he's a pretty good quarterback, but in that game he was very quick to check things down. I don't know if he was nervous about the pass rush or what the Bengals were doing, but multiple plays where he was just checking it down to the running back before the play, in my opinion, developed enough for him to make that call. But um, maybe he was taught that for the game plan. So I don't know. I, I think Darren Waller could be a problem. I think you're going to have to attack it multiple ways, not let them do what they want on offense and try to, I think you try to let Josh Jacobs and Zay Jones beat you. I think Josh Jacobs is a good running back, but their offensive line probably isn't good enough to dominate the Bengals' defensive line in the game. So I'm more okay with trying to let that happen than trying to just put linebackers on Darren Waller or trying to match up Hunter Renfro with whoever over there. Yeah, yeah. I to me that's the thing. Like if I'm the Raiders and you're you're under you're an underdog. I would feed Waller. I would, you know, get super creative with how you uh, you use him. Try to push the ball downfield to him. Uh, the Bengals have been good at containing, for the most part, those speedsters like Deshaun Jackson and watch it gets loose on Saturday. But I, I'm not like that's not super concerning. I agree with you. Josh Jacobs is probably the second best of the the weapons on this team, but they've done a good job against the run. And so then, yeah, the the Renfro part of it. Is this the Renfro game where he has 15, 15 targets, 12 catches for a buck 20 and, and eight of them are on third down? Like that's the scary part because I, he is super talented. I'm on a couple fantasy teams and it's like, am I really going to start Hunter Renfro over, I don't know, Keenan Allen? And it was the smart decision a lot of times. So uh, they, they like to feed him even though he wasn't as involved last week. So they do have weapons as weird as it, it sounds. 
let me ask you, um, and, and this isn't even a, a film. Well, everyone keeps talking about the weather with Derek Carr and everything like that. I don't think that's going to impact. And if anything, if I'm the Raiders, it's even more of a reason for for Derek Carr to to lean on number eighty three. I don't know your thoughts. I'm just spitballing here, but your thoughts. You like spitballing, Sands. um i think that uh, some of that comes down to how comfortable Derek carr feels in this type of weather he's a california boy and uh out west they play in a lot of domes and nice weather so it's got a lot of that comes down to is he comfortable throwing because i mean the football gets harder if you just go out there with a football of your own it gets harder to throw harder to catch uh get a little snow on i don't it's not supposed to snow i've been told a hundred (laughs) times but uh maybe it will because it's ohio weather um yeah, I, I I think you lean on 83 no matter what. I That would be my game plan if I was the Raiders is we're going to use Darren Waller no matter – he should end the game with 12 targets, and some of that isn't up to them. Whether If they're going to try to bracket him or something, then you can't obviously just keep throwing at Waller anyway or if they're going to do anything to try to really take him away. But if they're going to try to lock up on him with even Trey Flowers or even beat Chidobe Awuzie in coverage in the game. So even the best coverage guy the Bengals have and not – pushing him and getting physical he beat him running a speed out <laughs> so yeah I, I think he could be a big problem i think the Bengals have to be ready for it because yeah if i'm the raiders even no matter what the weather says anything like that I, i'm i'm going into the game thinking we're going to try to feed darren waller this game and make them try to defend it i think Derek carr is a, a pretty big wild card here right so he's had some really good games this year had a one of the better games, I assume, against Denver's defense this year as a passer. Went for 341 yards, 12.6 yards per attempt in that game. So really good numbers in that game. Didn't put the ball in danger in recent weeks. Has had issues with ball security in the pocket. Has fumbled in, I think, four out of his last five games, which isn't all on him, obviously. But ball security, certainly something to watch for a guy like Trey Hendrickson coming around trying to poked the ball out. He, of course, fumbled against the Bengals too. Uh, The other thing is I think he's at times putting the ball at a little bit more risk than he normally would. Again, in his last five games, he has five picks. So, you know, Derek Carr, which which version of Derek Carr shows up, I think will matter uh, uh, quite a bit. And, you know, talking about the weather saying, you know, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. I agree. It's it's really hard to quantify, but I, I did like the numbers that I saw today. Like, in, in games where it's under freezing at all, or maybe it was like under 40 degrees or something, passer rating like 70 it's in under his career. 40, yep. And yep. and it's going to be, what what's the current forecast call for, James? It's sub, sub-freezing for sure, right? Oh, it's, it's like 30 last I checked. Yeah, it's under, it's definitely under freezing for sure. And and the game starts at 4.30, so it'll be cooling off as, as it gets later into that mm-hmm. game when it gets yeah, that's the more high, and more so. clutchy into that fourth quarter. Any any other big film notes, Mike? You want to hit on from your perspective? Any any big keys that we haven't touched on yet for for this game in your in your mind? Yeah, just that the Raiders' offensive line is a lot like the Bengals that you can really take advantage of it if you get some one on ones. Uh, guard Leatherwood, that's a rookie. He's struggled a bit. He's been better at guard than he was at tackle, but that's because he was abysmal at tackle, and now he's just kind of bad at guard. So if you could, if it's a Larry Ogunjobi's going off game, then I think he could end up going off because he does he's not having strong competition on the other side bj hill consistent i think he could beat either guard i don't think either one of the guards are that impressive in the nose ta- the nose tag well dj reader should have a, a 
could have a decent game himself because I don't think the center has been all that impressive. Really, the only impressive part of their offensive line is left tackle Colton Miller is pretty good. And, I mean, Trey Hendrickson beat him for a strip sack and whatever else in the game before. I think Trey Hendrickson is the better player out of the two. So they have the advantage on the defensive line on paper compared to the Raiders' offensive line. And, I mean, if those guys aren't used to playing in the cold, I, I think more than the quarterback, the offensive linemen are the guys that feel it in the cold. You get hit on every snap. And when it's cold out, you can really feel it. So I think that's a, the advantage that the Bengals' defense really has is getting to the quarterback before Darren Waller or whoever can push downfield. Yeah. So. And, and on the other side, Alex Leatherwood, is he playing guard or tackle for them right now? He's still at guard. Okay, he, he's had issues. The reason I bring it up, he's had issues with false starts this year. They were celebrating, the, the Raiders were, that he didn't have a false start last week at home. Uh, Going to be a little bit louder in Paul Brown Stadium. <laughs> last note before we get out of here, guys. This, this happened while we were recording. According to Ryan O'Halloran, who is a beat writer for the Denver Post, the Broncos have requested to interview Brian Callahan. So just a little bit of a, a late breaker while we're recording this one obviously i I wish brian callahan the very best but selfishly would like him to remain uh, a coach in cincinnati and the reason that's not shocking i i should have mentioned it a day or two it's easy when you look at his history in denver right why wouldn't they at least be interested and want to sit down with him so yep absolutely we'll get more information on that tomorrow if we have it We'll be back tomorrow with your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast to get a bit of a take from what's going on with the Raiders heading into this game. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.